Yes, Father, I pray that prayer is from our hearts. I pray, uh, Lord Jesus, that the message you have for us, we are now prepared and ready to, to hear. And so, Lord, as your Spirit would guide us through your word, we pray uh, that you would open our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can have a seat. Good morning. Good morning. Good to be here. Yeah. Yeah. How'd you wake up this morning? And for you guys at home, are you awake? Yeah. Because we are. We are. Did you, did you get up on the wrong side of the bed, maybe? No. Cranky pants today, that sort of thing? No. No, not you. No, you would never do that. Yeah, I, I asked that question because, because the way we wake up, say, to come to worship, uh, it actually can make a difference for how we receive the message, wouldn't you agree? Uh, in, in fact, how we are prepared or, or ready can actually make quite a bit of difference. We're going to talk about that today. Uh, so I want you to go to Matthew chapter 13. If you turn in your Bible or grab an app and, 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 and scroll to it, Matthew chapter 13. Uh, we're starting a new sermon series, New Year, new sermon series on the parables of Jesus. I'm... Uh, Pretty excited to do that. And we're going to start, and you'll see why we're starting with this particular parable. It wasn't the, the first parable that Jesus taught necessarily in his ministry, but you'll see why because of the questions being answered uh, here. So Matthew 13, we're going to jump right into it, starting at verse 1. Ready? Uh, that same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. If you know anything about Capernaum, likely where Jesus is, where he was likely residing was very, very close to the water. So this, this would have been a very short walk, maybe 30 yards if that, uh, if he was residing at uh, the disciple Peter's home. Uh, and, and here's what happens next. And, and a great crowds gathered about him. It was the part, the time of his ministry when, when many were, were listening and 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 hearing uh, his uh, teachings and uh, being healed, and, and, and so he was gaining a great deal of popularity. And, and so he comes out of the house, and all of a sudden, a crowd gathers again. Uh, so it says, he got into a boat, you can picture it with me, and the people stood on, on shore, and he sat in a boat to create kind of like an amphitheater, and it would have been a pretty good setting to hear what he was about to teach. And it says, and he told them many things in parables, saying a sower went out to sow or a farmer went out to plant. The picture would be like someone reaching into a bag right and throwing seed, uh, you know, on, onto the property that they owned, right? And, and some of it falls onto different, different soil here. And we're going to see that here in our story. It says, and he sowed some seed fell on the path. And the birds came and devoured them because the path was hard. Other seed fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And, and since they had no root, they withered away. Okay. Other seed, verse 7, fell among thorns. And the thorns grew up and choked them out. Other seed fell on good soil. Here's the point of the parable. 
and produce grain, some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. And then Jesus says this, this is interesting, he said this often, he who has ears, let him hear. It's kind of a peculiar thing to say because if they're listening, they're, they're hearing, but there was a reason for him saying that. Verse 10, then the disciples came and said to him, so picture this, Jesus is speaking between a good group of people, a large group, and then he, he retreats and goes somewhere else, and some others follow him, like the, kind of that inner circle, that, that group that continued to seek him, like the disciples and, and maybe many others. And they ask this question, why do you speak to them in parables? Which is the reason why we're addressing this parable first. And he answers them, this is key, to you... It has been given to know the secrets oh, of the kingdom of heaven. That's a, that's a big deal here. But to them, it has not been given. Secrets here isn't so much like, whisper a secret that no one, no one else should know. It, it's more like mysteries. The things that would be revealed to us only by the Spirit of God. The things that we can only know unless God tells us. That's secrets here. Verse 12, For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables. He's answering our question. Because they... Because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled in saying this. And let me tell you, if there is a word that we need to hear as a nation today, especially in the events that have happened this week, and going back to the summer, and all of the unrest, it's this word right here. We are not Israel. Jesus is speaking into a certain context, but boy... God's word speaks into everything. And if there is a word we need to hear, it is this word here. You will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull. What's another word for dull? How about callous? That, that's decent. You're all right there. Or, or, or how about uninterested? He's talking about the word of God, uninterested. I'm afraid even the church has grown to a certain extent, talking more universal here, uninterested, or, or else we, we just pick and choose. And then he goes on to say, and with their ears, they can barely hear. Why? Because all the noise, right? All the noise is just drowning out the word of God. There's so much noise in our lives these days. To the point that we can hardly hear. No, God has not gone anywhere. But we're drowning out his voice. And then he goes on to say, in their eyes. Their eyes they've closed. What a prophecy. Speaks right into our week. Lest they should see with their eyes. And hear with their ears and understand with their heart. And then it says this. Here, here's the gospel and the grace of God at its finest. And turn and I would heal them. That's Jesus' response to what's going on this week. Oh, in the, the middle of the unrest. 
I'm thinking to myself, what, what do I even say? Someone asked me, what is our response? What do we do? I tell you what, Jesus is very clear about our response, church. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek first his kingdom, not our own kingdoms. And then, he says, all these things will be added unto you. Then you'll be citizens that are living out what he desires for your life. So what do we do? We seek first the kingdom of God. We go to his word, and we have prepared hearts to receive his word. He finishes with this, but blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. Are you one of these hearers? For truly, I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, and did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. More on that in a bit. But let's answer this question first. It's an important one as we kind of open up this series. It's very academic in one sense, but you guys like school, right? Right, kids? You love school? It's your favorite? What are parables? First question. If you look up in the dictionary, you might find it to say something like they're stories intended to illustrate and clarify a certain moral point. And to a certain extent, that's true, okay? However, even in our own text, Jesus says, hearing you will never hear, seeing you will never see. And often, actually, on many occasions, he was asked a very direct question, and he answered it, not with a direct answer, but with some peculiar story being a parable. See... To understand parables at their heart, or I should say Jesus' parables, we have to look beyond just that, that kind of thinking, uh, beyond what maybe a dictionary might say about a parable. The way Jesus used them was to, to magnify his, his mission on this earth. And, and even further, and, and if you don't understand what this even means, I'm glad you're here, um, but to usher in the kingdom of God and what he was doing on earth and what he is still doing on earth today. Are you kind of, kind of following me there? It was a tool that he was using to further show what he was doing. See, on many occasions, he was asked these questions and he would answer with parables. Why? Well, here's kind of a short list. Why parables? The, the first one that comes to mind is to protect. To protect the truth and to protect himself and to protect his ministry. See, his time on earth and his purposes mattered because he came to accomplish something. And there was an enemy. And there is an enemy, right, at work trying to stop what he is seeking to accomplish. On, on one occasion, uh, Jesus answered the religious leaders with a parable rather than answer their question more directly. Why? Because they were seeking to kill him, right? And that time had not come, and eventually they would, but he had a plan for that too. Secondly, to, to draw us in. We see this in the story, uh, certainly. I think I, I see it on your faces here, even though I can only see half of them. Um, to draw us in and cause us to seek him in faith. God desires that we be sponges of his word. Are you a sponge of his word? Or are you in, in one of those moods this morning where you're like, oh, don't tell me what to do. Or, or, or come on, come on. 
I'm not ready for this. Are you open? You're ready. Draw us in. Entice us to the truth. And, and why would Jesus do this? Well, just academic response is it doesn't necessarily mean that we're following or, or that we're obedient or that we know him personally, right? To protect, to, to draw. Here's, here's the third thing that comes to mind for me. To, to incubate. I was born two months early. And for almost those two months or so, I had to spend time in an incubator in order to what? To grow, right? I think Jesus is using parables in that same way, in a sense. A parable is going to sit with us and over time grow and, and, and give more and more understanding. I think about parables that maybe I learned as a little kid and how even today I think about them and I'm like, oh, as I experience something, oh, that makes more sense now that I know that or understand that. It's Quite incredible the way Jesus taught and how something we might hear long ago is sitting with us today and we're still understanding it. I like to say we're still chewing on it and it's giving us understanding. Here's the last thing. Why parables to transcend? What do I mean by that? No matter where you are or when you live, stories like the parables of Jesus transcend time and even culture. Of course, they were written into a particular culture. And we have to be very careful then to interpret them accurately, so to speak. But of course, they transcend time and culture, and so does God's word. And it helps us remember, too. I think of like second grade and how I can remember some of the stories my teachers told me, but I can't remember half of what I learned in math. You can laugh at my expense. Yeah. Yeah. Stories, vivid stories. I think of a, a story that I told my kids when they were little that they'll still bring up every once in a while. It's like this espionage thriller where... Anyway, I'm not going to get into that now. But they still remember the details of the, the story. So there's certainly that part of it too. But let me further explain this as we go through our parable today. Why do some people hear the word of God and completely misunderstand what's being said, even if it's pretty clear? Why do some hear the word with understanding, but they reject it? They just say, no way. No way, not me. It's all right for you, not me. Why do some come to Jesus excited, fired up, and, and their life is changed, and then four weeks later, they're back to the same old thing? Why do some hear the word and turn into super Christians like Pastor Kevin? <laughs> and the example he is to me. Why? Why? Jesus tells us that the parable of the sower gives us a picture of our hearts. You might see your neighbor in this, or your son or daughter, or your spouse, or your parents. But today we're going to talk about our hearts. See, God knows what's on the inside. 
it, it's both the awesome thing and the really scary thing, isn't it? Like, it's comforting to know that, because that means he knows the real me and not the facade. But it's also a bit scary, because it's convicting, because he knows my heart, and, he, and I can't fool him, right? It's both. He knows our hearts. And that's what the parable of the sower is all about. Look at verse 18. Hear then the parable of the sower, Jesus says, to be abundantly clear. Verse 19. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown or planted in the heart. It's spiritual. This is what was sown along the path. I know this to be true because I've planted grass in my yard. And in our backyard, it's a very small little area in our backyard, and the dog has his paths, right? Why doesn't he go, like, to the left or to the right? He's always on the same path. Anyway, that's his path. And if you throw a little grass seed on the path, what? The seed, it just cannot, cannot get into the soil. It cannot grow. And, and Jesus gives us a further picture that it comes, just like the squirrels or the birds, and it gets snatched away, right? It's a pretty clear picture of what we see of the gospel. It's the, we'll call it the hard heart or the closed heart. It cannot receive the word. It can't. It, it can't. Sometimes we misunderstand this one, and, and we point like, why don't they... Why don't they understand? They can't. And we point fingers. Why? I can't believe that. I mean, I, I do it on a weekly basis. Why are we seeing what we're seeing in this world? They cannot understand the word. I think Jesus is alluding to two kinds, so to speak, of people. The first one, and you see it in the text... The first one is the person who is not so much hard-hearted as they are broken-hearted. They've experienced some things in life, and something has caused their heart to be jaded and broken. It's not so much that they don't want it, it's that they don't want to be hurt. They're broken-hearted. And for the church, we need to recognize this and understand this, that the love of God and the gospel of God is the only thing that will heal that broken heart. Now, there's another heart, though, that I know Jesus is addressing, and we're seeing it. We're seeing it in our nation today, and we're certainly seeing this in our society today. And that is the prideful heart. The heart that says, my way. I don't care what you say, Pastor. I don't care what that message says. I don't care what that word says. Not going to be me. That's not my style. That's not who I am. I'm going to do my own thing. It's called pride. It's I am closed to that message and I have my reasons. And you don't even need to hear the reasons. I might not even know the reasons, but I have my reasons. Jesus is addressing both. And his answer to the brokenhearted and to the hard-hearted is come back to my love. You're not fooling me. I came to this earth and suffered and died and rose again in glory for your forgiveness. Come back to me. It's just like it says 
in the prophecy of Isaiah that we read, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn. That's repentance, turn. And I would heal them. Always anxious to heal. What a beautiful picture of the gospel. Wish we could spend more time on that, but we won't. Everyone say thank you. Second thing, the seed that is scattered upon the rocky soil. As for what was sown on rocky ground, verse 20 says, This is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, for, but endures excuse me, for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on the account of the word, immediately he falls away. It's like as soon as 2020 comes, he falls away, is kind of what's being said here. This is the shallow heart, or another way of looking at it is the emotionally charged heart. The picture here is not that the soil has rocks and boulders in it. Instead, there is a layer of soil, and then underneath there's a layer of rock. You know, there's areas even in the Midwest, in the foothills out west, that, that are like that in the United States. I mean, not much can grow, not so much because there isn't soil there, maybe some grass can grow, but nothing can really take any root. So, you know, trees and, and, and crops really cannot be planted there. That's the picture that Jesus is giving here of the shallow heart. One who hears the word and gets excited and it changes their life, at least for a short time. But what happens? It tells us what happens. They hear the word and they agree with it. They sit in church, that sort of thing, or, or maybe they, they periodically open up the word or pray to God, you know, that sort of thing. They hear the word, or maybe they get really, really fired up, and, and they're into it, and like five weeks go by on the spiritual high, and then what happens? It tells us. What is it? You tell, you tell me. Crash, yes, but what does it say? Tribute starts with a T. Ends with an N. Tribulation. Tribulation. A good litmus test for us to know if this is the kind of soil our heart is. Because, by the way, we can be hard-hearted any given day. And, and we can have this kind of soiled heart. Soiled heart, that's probably not the best way to say it. Anyway, heart on any given day. Good litmus test for that. Is when I face trials some of the struggles that maybe I've faced this year, do I respond to God in a way that first is, Lord, Lord, I need you more than ever before, or do I respond to God like, you know, how can you be good if this is happening in our nation? Why? Because Jesus promised that we would have trials. But he also assured us that he has overcome the world, that is the disciple of Christ. It's the shallow heart that is the person who is into Jesus when it fits their mood and not into him when he doesn't. Or it's the person who is afraid to take risks, especially on the account of his kingdom. Why? Because they're scary. Why? Because there might be tribulation. Why? There might be trouble. And I'm not into trouble. I want my comforts and I'm not willing to go another step. Jesus. And what's his response? I promised that I would never leave you. 
or forsake you. You're not alone. I had a reason for this last year. And guess what? I have a reason for this year. It's not in between time. I'm preparing you for something. Are you prepared to receive and hear that word? Verse 22. Look there. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. We'll call this the preoccupied or distracted heart towards the grace of God. I mean, who wouldn't want the grace of God? Well, this is the heart that hears the word and agrees, but their lifestyle and their influences drowned out the word from really impacting. Notice Jesus gives us two examples here again, okay? The person who loves him, but also loves the world, okay? He actually gives the very specific answer here, loves money. It's not about the money, and it's not about what you have. It's about the love. You may not have it, but you're always thinking about it. You just think, you know, if I only had that, then I would be satisfied. And we talked about this weeks ago. Nothing in this world that is so fleeting will ever fully satisfy. And yet we buy into that. It's the person who is constantly thinking about money. You might not have it, but it's always on your mind. You hope one day... That, that you'll win that lottery and then you'll be happy because you'll get what you wanted. That's the first person or the first part of this. There's another aspect, though. Notice it here. The person who is distracted by what Jesus calls the cares of the world. What are the cares of the world? All the things that consume our minds, the things we care about, the things that we talk about, the things that make us mad and we talk about them even more, the things that we like, the things that consume our minds, news, politics, our problems. Boy, do we in the United States love our problems because we talk about them all the time, right? How do you feel? I don't feel that great. We're always talking about our feelings, our cares, our concerns. They might be good things. Family, friends, health. But when they take precedence over the kingdom, and this specifically over the word of God that's supposed to guide us through our cares, what Jesus is saying is you're getting it all backwards. What do you find yourself thinking about the most? What do you listen to? This week, I came home from work. I was talking with my wife, and she said, we need to talk about the schedule for tomorrow. Now, on the way home, I was listening to all that had transpired during that day politically in our nation's capital. That was Wednesday and Thursday. I come home Thursday night, and I'm talking to her, and I was just worked up about all the things I was hearing on the radio, and I was getting all crusty, and... And she's talking about tomorrow's schedule, and I snap back about something that has nothing to do with her on the radio, and I realized in the moment that I was treating her how I was feeling inside because of the things that were going in my ears on the drive home. 
Now, you guys would never do that. But that's something I struggle with. <laughs> and my wife knows it. And she's here. And she can tell you. <laughs> what is it about our environments? Jesus is telling us something here. Your cares can drown out the voice of God. But what does Jesus answer? What does Jesus answer to the thorny, soiled heart? Come to me. Everything you're longing for will not be satisfied apart from me. Verse 23. It's the last one, don't worry. Seed that is scattered on good soil. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields. In one case, a hundredfold, in another, 60, and in another, 30. Hmm. It's not shallow, it's not hard packed, it's not thorny. It bears fruit because it's open. It's ready. It's prepared. It's healthy. It's the picture of a word of God, the word of God falling upon ears ready to hear. Right? Ready to hear. It's like the message we're hearing right now. You came in well-rested, right? You put aside all of your distractions from home. You were focused in worship and not thinking about any of your own expectations you had for the service. Right? Well, maybe not. Okay, not at all. How prepared were we to hear the message today? Jesus' response to us is lay down your burdens, even for an hour so that your heart is ready to hear what he has for you to hear. Same in the morning or the evening. I don't know if you're a morning devotions person or an evening devotions person. Are you ready? Are you prepared? Are you humble enough to accept what God has to say to you that moment? There's one other thing. And I'll close. It's really important, but I think it often gets overlooked. It, it's the part about the yields. Yields. What's this all about? The yield. It's what's produced in relationship to what was planted or what was invested, right? So there might be the farmer who might have a small field. And, and might plant to whatever extent and, and might yield a really decent crop, right? And then there's someone with a really big plot of land and plenty of resources, but they might not yield what they hoped for. They might not harvest what they had hoped in. And, and Jesus is making a point here. He, he's saying, I'm in charge of the fruit. I'm in charge. There are so many factors in your life that you have no control over and you're trying to control them. But you need to let go and you need to allow me to do that work. 
whatever the yield, whatever the year, whatever the outcome. So much noise in our life. But God determines the outcome. And instead of what we hope for and we hope in, he calls us to be prepared and ready to receive his word. That's, that's it. Receive the word. Make ready the heart. Get your rest. Set your distractions aside. And let me do some work in there. Because I have purposes. He has purposes. He has purposes for 2021. He actually had purposes for last year too. And those purposes, we, we can't necessarily know. We don't necessarily know the outcome. But boy, those purposes are for his kingdom and for his glory. And I want to be in that kingdom. Because it's sure and right and God never changes. And that's what we need more than ever before. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we're so grateful that your word speaks into us life and encourages us to respond in a way that changes the things that we're doing and walking in and experiencing right now. Yes, they speak to our eternity, but they transform our lives today. And these parables, they're they are going to challenge us and that is what you desire them to do. So Lord, convict our hearts today and draw us to your grace and your mercy because you came and walked this earth for purposes that are for our healing, our strength, our purposes for being on this earth. And so, Lord Jesus, do that work in our hearts now. May we have healthy and open hearts to hear what you have for us as we go from here. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.